Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Visit of the Wise Men, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, until January 2nd, 2022, we are taking a holiday break from our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Again, we will pick this back up on January 2nd, 2022, after our Thanksgiving and Christmas episodes. Our last Christmas episode will be the weekend before Christmas because of how the holidays fall this year. December 26th is the last Sunday of December. This means the week we do our year-end episode will be December 26th. May you all be blessed of God this holiday season. In our Thanksgiving episode titled, The Parable of the Tares and the Wheat, Revisited, November 28th, we examined Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. We learned that the visible church is the heavenly church. It is the same as a field in which the owner sows good seed. We also learned the design of this parable is to show us there is no expectation of universal purity in the church of God in this life. Notice clearly, there is no expectation of universal purity in the church of God in this life. We see this due to the tares and the wheat growing together in the same field. This means hypocrites and sincere Christians are and will be intermixed in the same church, analogized here as the field. The reasoning for this is that the tares and the wheat can hardly be discerned one from the other. Scripture reads, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the time of King Herod, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. After assembling all the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written this way by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and look carefully for the child. When you find him, inform me so that I can go and worship him as well. After listening to the king, they left, and once again the star they saw when it rose led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they shouted joyfully as they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure boxes and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back by another route to their own country. From Green's Literal Translation, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The place of our Lord's birth, Bethlehem, he was born not at Athens, not at Rome, not at Jerusalem, not in any opulent or magnificent city, but in the meanest cities of Judah, thereby showing us that his kingdom was not of this world and that he little regarded pomp and outward greatness. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. This fact has always been understood by many people. However, not, maybe, as clearly as this commentary passage is said. This is of extreme note because of how this commentary passage ended. He was born in Bethlehem for showing us that his kingdom was not of this world and that he little regarded pomp and outward greatness. That is a tough conundrum to understand, how someone so great in all of mankind and the existence of the world had such little regard for pomp and outward greatness, unlike us humans. We learn further, the time of our Lord's birth in the days of Herod the king, this Herod being a foreigner and made king by the Romans, which now reigned over the Jews, in him was fulfilled Jacob's prophecy, that the scepter should not depart from Judah. Reference Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. That is, the Jews should have governors of their own nation until Shiloh come. That is, until Christ, the promised Messiah, come in the flesh so that considering the circumstance of time and place, where and when Christ was born, it was and is willful obstinacy in the Jews to deny that the Messiah is come in the flesh. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. This is an amazing fact. The Jews of that day were among the first to see the Savior come down from heaven and born of human flesh. The Jews, after seeing this, seemed to be blind to the fact he is the Savior to the world, for the sake of the world, and they denied him as such. That is an impressive fact. Notice further. That tribute of honor which was paid unto our Savior at his birth, the wise men of the East came and worshipped him, that is, the Chaldean, Arabian, or Persian astronomers, who, as the first fruits of the Gentiles, seek after Christ, whilst the Jews, his own people, reject him. Oh, how will their coming so far 
as the East to seek Christ rise up another day in judgment against us if we refuse to be found by Christ who came from heaven to seek us. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Two things of particular note here is this. Oh, how will their coming so far as the East to seek Christ rise up another day in judgment against us if we refuse to be found by Christ who came from heaven to seek us. If God sees all things, how is it that Christ had to come down from heaven to seek us? We will learn that this is not how it may read to some. First, the question is, with regard to the wise men, how will their coming so far as the east to seek Christ rise up another day in judgment against us if we refuse to be found by Christ? The answer to that question is in the question. The question asks, How will their coming so far as the East to seek Christ rise up another day in judgment against us? And here in the question is the answer. If we refuse to be found by Christ who came from heaven to seek us. That's a rather colorful way of saying what we would call today being saved. That's being found by Christ. Now, we today might find a way to argue this. However, when Christ rose back into heaven to make us a place, this mission was passed off to the disciples, and the movement has lived on ever since. That deflates any arguments to the contrary unless you do a fair amount of planning for a contrary discussion. Ultimately, though, it all comes down to what you will believe. Looking further, we now see the inquiry that they make after Christ, they do not ask whether he was born, but where he was born, not doubting of the fact, but ignorant of the place. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Notice the mindset of the wise men. They are very certain Jesus was born in the flesh. They are just a bit clueless as to exactly where he is. Further, the ground of their inquiry, for we have seen his star. They had seen a star. But how did they know it was his star? Probably by divine revelation. They had a light within as well as a star without, for they had never seen Christ. It is likely the Holy Spirit's illumination accompanied the star's apparition. As God made known the birth of Christ to the Jews by an angel, so he manifested the same to the Gentiles by a new created star. 
from Expository Notes on Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Today, with help from NASA, NASA, we can go online and rewind the galaxy to actually determine if this, quote, new created star, end quote, is actually true, as this commentator states. It is also possible that what these magi saw were three planets in conjunction one with the other, that being the very simplest of answers, but nonetheless provable if such a phenomenon actually existed. I can say for myself, having done the research, an explainable event did happen which made an unusually bright star in the night sky at this time in celestial history, which has not been repeated to date. Remember, just because we can explain wonders and miracles in the Bible does not take anything away from these wonders and miracles. Regardless of science and the explanation of things science provides, it only makes such things more miraculous when they only happen once or on a very long time frame, like the 600-year cycle of the recent lunar eclipse. It's just man getting a greater understanding of the miracles that happened. We can't make them any less or any greater except in our own minds. You should be very glad if the weather was favorable for you to see this eclipse, for it will now be another 600 years before anyone might be able to see it again. However, if current global situations and those being designed for implementation in five or less years are viable, the global society does not have another 600 years on this earth before this is all settled by Christ's return for us in the air on the clouds, then the Great Tribulation, not to mention a few other things just after that to finally put all sinfulness to permanent rest. But I will go off on a tangent if I do not continue with this study. Noting the end of their journey, we are come to worship him, that is, to pay all that honor and homage which is due to a great and mighty prince, all that adoration and worship which belongs to the promised Messiah, the Redeemer of the world, all honor and homage, all glory and worship, is due to Christ from the sons of men, and will be given him by those that know him. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament, by William Burkett. Notice that last sentence. All honor and homage, all glory and worship, is due to Christ from the sons of men and will be given him by whom? By those that know him. Only those saved by his grace and mercy will honor and pay him homage. All glory and worship will be presented him by only those that know him. Clearly, not something that will happen among the others who are unsaved. 
Now, notice verse 3 in our passage. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. This was old King Herod, the father and founder of the Herod family, of which three generations appear in the sacred history. He was a man of great talents, but distinguished still more for his cruelties and crimes. In the course of his life, he had brought many persons to a violent death whom he had suspected of conspiring against his reign, and among others, his wife and several of his own sons. And now, though quite an old man, his jealous and suspicious temper was aroused by hearing that an infant king of the Jews had been born supposing that he was to be a temporal prince and, of course, that his own throne was in danger. Two important things we want to note. King Herod only suspected many persons he brought to a violent death for supposedly conspiring against his reign, his wife, and several of his sons. All this intense suspicion coming from, quote, a man of great talents, but distinguished still more for his cruelties and crimes, end quote. That is still very much a way of men and women today. However, men and women today of this nature are more clever today as to be less obvious about their true intentions. We can see this now, around the world. To be clear, I am not saying everyone is this way. I am only commenting to the fact that there are today many people who do think and act this way, with the possible positive outcome being for themselves. Today, we call such people deeply greedy or very greedy. We might identify them as people only thinking about themselves, even at the expense of others. Our second point here is, Now, though quite an old man, his jealous and suspicious temper was aroused by hearing that an infant king of the Jews had been born supposing that he was to be a temporal prince, and, of course, that his own throne was in danger. From John S. C. Abbott and Jacob Abbott Illustrated New Testament, 1878. Notice how King Herod's mind is spinning out of control. He hears of an infant king of the Jews being born. He Supposes that he was to be a temporal prince and that his own throne, King Herod, is in danger. Twice now, King Herod has supposed incorrectly. When one examines all the facts in any particular situation and or issue, one can come to the truth. However, if we act on our suspicions, meaning the things we suppose 
are either true or false as true, we inevitably come to false conclusions that we believe are true. True in our own minds, whether actually, factually true. This is where and how King Herod has erred in his mind and heart. Finally, observe here that when Christ came into the world to save men, it cast the world into consternation and caused wonderful disturbances. Herod is first concerned, and next, all Jerusalem with him. Herod, for fear of losing his kingdom, Jerusalem for fear of new commotions. Thus Christ, who was the angel's song, the wise men's joy, Israel's consolation, becomes Herod's fear and Jerusalem's terror. But why was Herod thus disturbed? It is true a king is born, but one whose kingdom is not of this world. It was Herod's false apprehension that was the cause of his upsetting disturbance. Hence we see that the greatest enmities and bitterest animosities have arisen from careless fears and groundless jealousies. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. The bottom line of this part of our examination was said in that commentary passage. Our greatest enmities and bitterest animosities have arisen from careless fears and groundless jealousies. Bitter animosity arisen from careless fears and groundless jealousy are still the root of many of mankind's ills today. Bitter animosity arisen from careless fears and groundless jealousies can be found almost anywhere we make assumptions, like King Herod did, as to what is and is not the real truth in any matter and or situation. If we follow our causeless fears, the mind develops all groundless jealousies on its own coming from false truths and facts that our mind somehow defends as real truth. The jealousies that follow are not founded in truth, thus making such jealousies groundless. Adding to this is the fact that Scripture tells us not to be a jealous people. Jealousy is not a kingdom attribute of the living spirit we are to express to all others regardless of their state saved or not. Next week, we continue our Christmas study. Our second episode is titled, The Visit of the Wise Men, Part 2. Stay with us for this exciting upcoming continuing episode. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website, under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, 
an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.